Miserable people, what's up? It is your rock star, your renaissance man, the Duke Russo here with the Hollywood Heels podcast, joined by my dog, the divine voice himself, Henron. What's going on, dude? Hello, hello. Welcome us back to this plane of existence where we exist to bring you a little bit of pleasure uh we did have a nice monday night raw today not as good as next week is gonna be but what do we have going on tonight man dude we are coming from omaha nebraska and i just gotta say that wwe has been on fire lately between it, oh, all right fast lane i i get some mixed opinions but like the tv shows have been pretty fucking good lately uh, you know, we we had an action-packed NXT the other day. Surprise, surprise, we're recording after this Raw. But, um, man, I, I just got to say that they've been doing pretty good. And then, not only that, but the season premieres of Raw and SmackDown coming up are also going to be absolute bangers. I feel like we're we're at a high point right now. Um, things Things are looking pretty good. But we are from Omaha, Nebraska, and we open with Monday Night Rollins. Seth freaking Rollins is coming out dressed like he's a member of Kiss, man, with these uh these like silver high heel boots and some bedazzled ski goggles. It was it was interesting. Um he's addressing the crowd talking about the last man standing match, how it took him to his limit. And he says, it's been a great honor to be your world champion, but he's just getting started. However, he's like doing, you know, maybe a not so Seth thing right here. He's kind of asking for the night off and we get an interruption from the Scottish warrior, Drew McIntyre comes down to the ring. Seth is, you know, he knows Drew wants a match. And he's going through, yeah, I wanted the night off, but, you know, fuck it, let's do it. Drew is not ready to completely turn heel yet because he tells Seth to relax. He wants Seth at 100%. This can wait until Crown Jewel. Seth kind of doesn't really know what to do. He's he's kind of surprised. He's kind of confused. But, you know what, Let's let's do it. Let's go for it. And then... The ambush comes. Dom and Priest come out, pretty much ready to cash in. But Drew McIntyre steals the briefcase from Dom Mysterio and throws that shit to fucking China, dude. Uh, so he's like kind of helping Seth, kind of not helping Seth. But we're getting Seth Drew at Crown Jewel. And I cannot be more excited. This this is like two of my probably top five favorite wrestlers facing off here. M- maybe even more like top top four. I don't know about top three. I got I got to think about that one. But man, I am excited for this. I'm extremely excited as well. And this is kind of what we were predicting. You know, going down the line, Big Drew, it's time for him to take that belt. I think he's going to take it when he finally has his shot. He's finally going to get that big main roster run with the belt in front of the crowd. You know, something that we didn't really have before. You know, he had a great little NXT run. But then when he won the championship, it was pandemic era or Thunderdome or Superdome or whatever the hell it was called at the time. But 
I like to go back to the start of this and what Seth had on. I thought your back was messed up. I'm pretty I've never worn high heels or anything like that. But I'm sure that's gotta be more stressful on the back than just wearing some comfortable ASICs or whatever you might wear if your back's messed up. But you know, stunt before um I guess your body. Hey, that's life, right? But he came out here and we all knew he was going to talk, you know, I'm ready to defend my championship. But he first started off, it almost sounded like he was going to relinquish the title. You know, he kind of was baiting people in and he's like, I gotcha, you know, and he, he, he had to throw in his little laugh in there because the guy's crazy. But then just as you mentioned, I was thinking the same thing. This is not very Seth freaking Rollins like to be like, I'd like the night off, guys, if I could just please like, nah, homeboy, like put that shit up. And I guess he was down to put it up when Drew came out and two things. We'll see one later on when Drew does have a match in in this episode. But I mean, why wouldn't you just front up? You know, I feel like we were getting into this Drew heel turn and we're still kind of heading in that direction. But I don't know. I feel like maybe we've taken a step back. Because like a he- a real heel Drew would have just gone out and taken it, but and he kind of was a heel because he didn't necessarily go help Seth at first until you know Dom came down with the briefcase. And on on that note, Priest, why the hell would you let Dom carry your briefcase? Like I'm sorry, yes. kids a fuck up. Like I'm sorry, like. Oh, and that is probably something to do with mommy, but they never really talk about it or acknowledge it. But I mean, yeah, he fucking chucked that briefcase like that shit was gone. Dude, I I loved that moment, but I thought the same thing of like, why the fuck does Dom have the briefcase? I guess it's better than JD having the briefcase. Um, but that didn't make sense to me. And, you know, maybe maybe we just learned a little bit about WWE's PTO policy. Maybe uh, maybe it's a use it or lose it kind of thing. And we are approaching the end of the year. So maybe Seth's just trying to use up his PTO before it uh, expires on him. <laughs> Potentially, you know, maybe. You know, I'm not exactly sure how their policy works on that. But I guarantee you they're going to lose them days when they start needing these people to come around for crown jewel and all this shit we got coming up yeah but yeah this this match i'm excited for this match i think it's going to be great i think uh obviously no matter what happens between now and then seth ain't dropping the belt on a regular tv show although i am waiting for somebody to drop a fucking belt on a tv show so we can at least start feeling like it's a possibility you know what i mean as opposed to like Eh, you know, Gunther's going to fight somebody, but he's not going to drop the belt because it's not a PLE. You know, uh, just give give me one or two here and there just to make me feel like it's a possibility so I can at least take the match seriously. Yeah, I don't know the last time we've had like a, a big, real change like that. You know, to Women's really, tag. <laughs> yeah, to really make us believe, but... I don't know. You know, we got some tag team stuff, and I feel like with the current tag situation, as much as, you know, we probably know that we're not going to see these big changes on TV, you never know. Like, honestly, some of these matches, you just really don't know where they're going to take it because it could go anyway. Yeah. Well, 
I'm just going to sit here holding my breath waiting for that to happen. But we get into our first match. We've got Ivar versus Kofi Kingston in a Vikings rules match with the ring all decorated in Nordic shields and flags and all sorts of shit. Um, Ivar seemingly entered by himself. I found that very interesting. Yeah. I was thinking that as well. I was like, where the hell's Valhalla at? And, you know, we, we find out later into the match, but um, it's very surprising. It, it's sad. I'm not exactly too sure what's going on with this homeboy. You know, I, I do hope we get to see them soon. I feel this was a note to push Ivar because he's probably going to be in singles more often and the New, Ga- New Day can win their tag matches while we can leave Ivar to kind of push himself in the singles division and maybe we can see him make his way up and see him in a big man match you know maybe a nice tv match against gunther or something like that something fun because this kind of felt like the end of the feud um spoiler alert ivar took the victory with another giant moonsault um something that he's just been killing everybody with uh, throughout this match but it was a fun little viking rules match which just meant that there were shields lining the ropes and a couple of flags in each corner nothing really special i guess it was false count anywhere as well because there was a random pinfall on the outside by kofi but this was a fun match for what it was um was competitive at least you know there wasn't too much beat down um ivar being the big man he hit a nice spinning power slam at one point um at one point kofi grabbed his beard off the top to pull him through a table which was nasty getting the beard into the play and speaking of kofi he like different little outfit he had on with some basketball shorts but he had on some rainbow customized jordans that just looked very nice you know kofi's always on a very interesting shoe game not necessarily my taste you know i love a good jordan but the color scheme is always a bit too new day ish for my taste, you know, a bit even even for me speaking, you know, but it, it's a bit much. But they were very fly indeed. But at one point, um, Valhalla does show up, jumping off the announce table to surprise Kofi to help Ivar out. We do get Xavier Woods running out as well to try to help out, but he ends up just getting squished um, on the apron from a sliding crossbody from Ivar, which is pretty nasty as well. Um, it was a pretty good little spot towards the end. Kofi, you know, gets back into the ring with Ivar, sets him up for the trouble in paradise and just gets caught midair as Ivar just throws this man through a table that they had set up in the corner in the turnbuckle, which is what led to that big moonsault victory. Yeah, and we got an ambush from Valhalla. We did find out where she was. She was apparently, you know, hiding under the announce table or something. She came out of nowhere, ambushed Kofi. Um, this was a fun match. I loved the the beard spot. That was probably my favorite spot of the match. Um, I've had a lot of fun with this singles run from Ivar. I don't know where it goes. Um, like you said, it's been ambiguous of what's actually up with Eric, but as far as we know, it's quote unquote, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future, we, we have no timeline on it really. So like I said, I've been enjoying this singles run. 
where where do we go from here with it though? You know, it would be fun to see some meaty meat matches of like Ivar Bronson Reed, Ivar Otis, you know, that kind of stuff. If they want to go that route, everybody loves a meat match. Oh yeah, for sure. And like we were just talking about Ivar and getting him in a big meat match with Otis and Bronson Reed. Like, let's get a little triple threat. I mean, I'm sure we can find a reason. You know, let's go. Sponsored by Slim Jim, the meat match. Oh man, they and they need to get more advertisements in there with these big boys. It's cool. Xavier Woods had that little Pizza Hut thing, but you should have had. What do they call them? Big Big Bronson Reed. They're talking about Big Bronson energy. That's the kind of Pizza Hut ad that I need. You know, that's how you really sell somebody. Yeah, the the man that can devour an entire dinner box by himself. <laughs> um. After this, we end up backstage. We've got Byron interviewing Shinsuke, but Shinsuke ain't, ain't answering shit. Byron's asking a couple questions, and Shinsuke's just standing there. And then he gets ambushed by Ricochet. So I guess this is where we're going next with that, is we're going to drag out this Ricochet-Shinsuke thing. Um, I'm kind of mad about it. I'm not... I, are you excited for it? Uh, I mean, we later on we get to see the match that they have, and it could be fun because it's Ricochet. But I don't know. I think that this is just going to be another stepping stone for Nakamura to keep him in that not mid tier, quote unquote, upper echelon for whatever they want to do next with him. They they do need these higher caliber heels for you know dominant victories for their faces when they do come around. Yeah, I wouldn't have like been upset if we got a little bit of a Shinsuke break after the Seth thing. I'm not surprised that this is where we're going with this, but I do like um, the highlight of the night providing us with highlights of the night, so I, I guess we can't complain about that. It's going to be a Falls Count Anywhere match, which I, I, I have mixed opinions about. Sometimes they're fun, but sometimes when they end up like spending backstage and doing random shit um i'm not always a huge fan of that it's usually more fun when it's like big dudes and they're like throwing each other through walls and you just got sheetrock flying everywhere and whatnot that that's sometimes fun i guess this could be fun because they could set up a couple spots where you know they have some hidden pads or whatever and you got ricochet jumping 20 feet and shit like that that could be fun but i'm not like uber excited for this yeah like it's ricochet, you know, so I, I just feel we we're going to see hopefully a lot of random flippy stuff backstage is just dangerous, you know, not not too dangerous. Or I don't want to see anybody get hurt, but give me some action. Yeah, I don't want to see no boring. Oh, we're just going to hit each other, then run for three minutes and hit each other again and run for three minutes. And oh, no, he threw them through the popcorn. Whoa, I don't need all that. Yeah, I'm going to pass on that, too. But. You never know, we could get a double moonsault out of Ricochet. So that's that's like the ceiling right there is the hope we get one of those. But So we're still backstage. We've got a shot on the Judgment Day where Damian Priest has got JD McDonuts up against the wall, suspended probably like 10 feet in the air by his throat. Um, Finn is trying to make sure he doesn't see a man die that day and calm Priest down, but, but Priest gives it to him too. He, he ain't thrilled with anybody in this situation. He lets JD down 
And uh, JD is like kind of trying to thank Finn for coming Priest down. But he's also pissed at JD because it was his tag title too. So he tells JD he's done enough. Uh, Rhea comes along and says that JD can prove himself though by taking care of Drew McIntyre tonight. Priest is saying that there is a part of him that does want JD to handle Drew. But another part, probably the larger part, uh, wants to be able to handle JD after Drew breaks him in half. Me personally, I'm going to go with the latter part of it. Yeah, like, I'm sorry. They said, you to prove yourself, you have to take on Drew McIntyre. Y'all could have just kicked him out. Like, y'all could have just said no, because there's no he has no fucking chance against this guy. And the way he's being choked by Damien Priest, I'm surprised Priest could even reach his hands up that high. Look like this guy was floating in the air. He was so high. It was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> and this was the only time I saw Finn Balor mad at JD because he's like, oh, shit, bro. Like, I, I got to be on Priest's side to help calm him down because <laughs> you're just going to die up there, man. And now we are in our next match. We've got Raquel Rodriguez versus Nia Jax. Is is this like this isn't the first actual match we've had with Nia since she came back, is it? Because I feel like, you know, the Shayna one got interrupted. Did we get another Nia Jax match or has she just popped in to sit on people? I I think she just popped in to sit in, sit on people because I don't remember her them giving her another squash match. And they were like, I think she was supposed to have a match. And then she just came out and talked or something. Yeah, it was, it was weird. But we finally get an actual match with Nia Jax and another big woman. Uh, spoiler alert, Nia Jax is still brutal. Uh, what, what do you got for this match? So... Just the, I love the start of the match because I've I don't think I've ever seen Nia Jax come out this hot ever. Like she literally just hits a Thez press, grabs Raquel by the neck as she's on the ground, and just starts slamming her head over and over into the mat. And I was like, "What the hell?" And that was that set the tone right there. It slowed down a lot after that. Right, we had the the classic story of Raquel trying to slam Nia, but then she can't do it. You know, eventually, um, she does. You know, get her up for the squat. Um, she's got her like in the fireman's carry. She's squatting her, but her back gives out. So that's another part of the match right there. But they they go on for a while. Uh, there was a big Samoan drop by. Nia Jax, she drags into the corner. She's about to hit the Annihilator, but Raquel gets up, slips under, picks her up, and walks her into the powerbomb, you know? So that was her feat of strength. But then out of nowhere comes Rhea Ripley, who just throws Raquel out of the ring, giving Raquel the disqualification victory. And then she beats the shit out of Nia and she kicks her and Nia falls like a sack of bricks. She just like she just MMA passes out on that, um, which is really nice. There was a giant headbutt from Rhea to Raquel when Raquel gets back in, which is really nice as well. And then out of nowhere, Shayna Baszler's in the mix. And then she starts attacking Nia Jax and the Rhea Ripley's like, no, you leave her alone. She's mine. Get out of my ring. And then Nia Jax fucking pushes Baszler, hits, um, I'm sorry, 
Run that back. Shannon Baszler is upset by the way Rhea Ripley is talking to her and disrespecting her. Baszler grabs her into a nasty German, knees the fuck out of her, and I'm just thinking, like, we get a four-way coming up. You know, we're definitely getting some Rhea Baszler action. Have we seen Rhea Baszler? Am I, am I forgetting that? I feel like that's a banger we... I'm not recalling. I don't remember it happening recently. I don't think it's happened since she got the belt, at least. Um, it could be interesting. Uh, Shayna's hit or miss for me. Sometimes I enjoy her. Sometimes I'm kind of eh. But I feel like this is Triple H's recipe right now of just like, oh, you got two women feuding in the ring or, or two people in general feuding in the ring. I'm going to throw in a third one. And then, oh, wait, you think I'm done? Here's another person. Uh, it, it's it's kind of like Attitude Era-esque of just chaos a lot. Um, I enjoy it, though, because you don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah, and I, I will say on that same note, on the SmackDown women's side, it's a whole cluster with all the women throwing themselves into that. In the tag uh, division right now, as we see later, there's just a bunch of women randomly throwing themselves in that. So, yeah, you know, that does kind of seem to be the note. And it's kind of nice because it just makes you think of what about this? What about that? Where's it going? And I and I love that. You know, it's making me want to see more instead of, you know, some storylines where I'm like, yeah, I've seen it. I don't need to see more. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, after this, we end up backstage again and we got Seth finding Drew to let him know that Pierce has indeed made the match official. Uh, Seth is kind of asking him, like, what, he's, what are you doing, man? Like, he, d- he didn't do anything when he got jumped, but then when they come with the briefcase, you want to act like a hero. Like, you, you know, you're kind of kind of being a little wishy-washy here. And Drew is saying, hey, man, I've been nothing but honest. And that if it doesn't actually involve him, he's going to stay out of it. But when they try to take that title with the briefcase, it does involve him. So he's going to take care of shit. And that includes throwing the uh, the briefcase a country mile. Yeah. And I love, you know, Seth calling him out. Let's build that animosity. You know, let's put some more behind this match besides, oh, you want the title shot? Well, I knew you wanted it, and you got it, and we're going to wrestle. Let's give it some more oomph, and this is the first taste of that because you know it's going to get built up even more. There's probably going to end up being some, they're going to be a tag team. Can they coexist? Nonsense as we go along. Yeah, uh, that would be interesting. We'll, we'll have to see if they go that route. Um, we end up backstage still with Jackie interviewing Shayna Baszler. It was kind of... Pointless. The only reason that I'm mentioning this, I mean, she goes through her, you know, I'm, I'm the baddest, blah, blah, blah. Nobody attacks me and gets away with it. But really, the only reason I'm mentioning this is because we get another Akira Tozawa little Easter egg when Shane is walking off from the two questions she was asked. We get the same thing. Tozawa's walking one way. He he runs into Baszler, just stops, turns around, and scurries away. So we get another Akira Tozawa Easter egg. Um, I'm really enjoying these. Tozawa is going to end up somehow in the middle of like all four of these women, and then he's going to like eat all of their finishers or some crap. Oh, it'll, it'll be like uh, when JD McDonough just ate all the finishers. Yes, exactly that. I, I don't know how we get him in the ring, but... 
you know, maybe, maybe he was just looking for the cafeteria. I don't know. Um, now our next segment is an in-ring interview of Cody and Jay, the new undisputed tag champions by Michael Cole. Cole is asking uh, Jay how it feels to be champs. And he's like, yo, I'm turned up. Yeet. Uh, Cole is addressing Cody here and he dude Cole's going with like the low blows this whole interview um he's asking Cody like what does this do to your original goal of finishing the story are you content with this do you not want to take another crack at the WWE championship because you failed already um Cody kind of dodges that one saying that he's just excited to be an undisputed tag team champion and Cole straight up calls him out, basically saying, you didn't really answer me. Like, you came this close to winning the WWE Championship, just like your dad. Is this going to be your story? However, before Cody can actually answer that question, we get an entrance from Sami Zayn and KO. Uh, so, question for you. Was this Sami's music when he was honorary Oos? I don't know. I was like, what the hell is this? I was like, this is bad. Turn that shit off. Yeah. So like I it it had the same intro to his music, but it was not his music that we've been hearing. And even when Sammy got out to the ring and got on the microphone, he's like, Yeah, I haven't heard that music in a while, but you know, I guess that's okay. So I'm guessing they played the wrong music because later on in the night, spoiler, um, they play his normal music. But anyway, back to the segment. Uh, Sammy is kind of just more or less saying like, hey, what about our story? You know, we're, we're not talking about your WWE championship story. We're talking about the tag story. Uh, and it should be us holding those titles. He's got mixed emotions about it because he's happy for Jay. He's happy for Cody, but he wants him. And uh, KO does not have mixed emotions. He just wants the titles. He issues the challenge then and there, but doesn't believe that they're going to accept because he doesn't think Jay can handle losing to them twice. Uh, Cody's trying to you know, simmer the situation a little bit. I think we're all friends here, right? Um, and accepts. And we leave this segment with uh, Wade begging Adam Pierce to not screw this up. Yes, so... What the hell, Michael Cole? Like, who gave? Who told you to say that shit, bro? Like, wh- you you can't like go sit down. I thought you were a good guy. We're over here just respecting you. Twenty six years, only two days off. Is the stress getting to you, bro? Like, you got to take it out on poor Cody over here talking about like your dad couldn't do it. Are you content? What kind of loaded ass gaslighting questions? It was absolutely ridiculous but i'd like to note we were talking about potential tag team names and i don't know two thoughts that i had you know trying to be you know something that blends what they are and the first thing that made sense to me would be like the main event nightmares but i feel like that was kind of long and convoluted and you know earlier backstage when they were pulling up you know what are they yelling yeet you know, as, you know, Jay's getting hyped, talking about he's turned up, he's yelling yeet, you know, Cody's yelling yeet, they dog, they dog barking. 
I think they're just Team Yeet, bro. Like, I, that's what I'm going to call them because it's just that simple, you know, but... It's it's obvious, and I'm on board with it. Yeet, American Yeet. Something Yeet. It needs to have Yeet. Something Yeet, dude. And I'll, I'm, I'll buy the t-shirt. You put Yeet on the t-shirt, I'll buy it. All right, period. But I, I thought it was very weird when Sammy and Kevin came out to this music. Then the finisher needs to be the one yeet. The one yeet would be great. Oh, yeah. All right. I'm I'm 100% on board now. But I was very confused with, with this music change. At first, I was like, is this a heel turn? Is this the heel music? Do they finally have tag team music for the two of them together? You know, not just coming out with separate music. I, I was like, are they, are they a real tag team now? Because you know you're not a, a real tag team until you have combo music and a combo name. So neither one of these teams, you know, is holding it down like Judgment Day. They they are holding it down, right? But no, we find out later that it wasn't. It's just, just this weird change. But I thought the one line that Kevin Owens had when he was like, I'd challenge you. But I know you wouldn't accept it because you can't handle the thought of losing to us twice. And <laughs> I thought that was a very nice line. Uh, Cody, of course, accepts the challenge. Everybody's hype. And we get the match tonight. Yes, sir. So this this crowd got a pretty decent raw overall. We slip backstage to Chad Gable getting chopped to death by Otis hyping him up for his match um i loved this little moment and like you could tell chad's chest was already red so these were not light chops and they've been at it and maxine is just flabbergasted in the background chad obviously knows that he needs to win this number one contender match but bronson reed interrupts to more or less just say he's gonna win um but i again Alpha Academy is so underused. Chad Gable is easily one of the most underappreciated people in the goddamn company. Give me more of this. Give me, give me more of Otis getting, you know, slapping the chest of Chad to Chad going, thank you. Yeah, like I instantly knew what was going, like the, the camera cut. And all we have is a zoomed-in picture of Chad Gable's red, sweaty chest. No other context. And within one second, I'm like, is he chop training preparing for Gunther? Like, that was my immediate first thought. And then we just see him taking the chop. Thank you! Hit me again! (laughs) And he's just way too hype. Bronson Reed does sneak in there and basically tells him not to bring his daughter because it's going to be another sob story. And this just pisses off Gable more because he wants more chops. And Otis obliges. Yes, sir. And those ain't some light chops. And then we end up in the match. So we've got a triple threat for the number one contender to the Intercontinental Championship. We've got Ricochet versus Big Bronson Reed versus Chad Gable. But before we even get to the match, Ricochet is making his entrance and getting attacked by Shinsuke. So this just enough of this, guys. Enough, please. Yeah, he's 
one and only. Like, he can't even fucking get through his shit, and he just fucking eats it. And hold up, if he hit the GTS, like, go to sleep on this kid, um, Kenta, shout out, Twitter was calling him out. He said, see you at Survivor Series, who's like, Kenta was in WWE, he'd be out here trolling people. But that was an interesting little move from Shinsuke. I don't know what his choice was for doing that, but you know, the, the people come out there to stop him. And I'm like, this man already dropped this guy head first onto his knee. He might be dead. And now y'all going to come out here and try to help. Like, that's not how this works. And oh, but he was he was cleared and he was fine for this triple threat match with Mr. Suplex and Mr. Big Boy. He was just OK. Medical doctors and Adam Pierce, everybody else that gets in any tiny altercation, you fucking shut him down. But Rico, you're like, nah, send him out. And Rico, like, he got his ass beat all night, and he was still, at the end of the night, like, still going. So Energizer Bunny, man. Shout out, Rico. But this was, I don't know. I really enjoyed this match tonight. I, I, I call it second match of the night, personal preference. Some of the other matches were really good. This wasn't a bad wrestling night. But this is my kind of match. You know, you get one big man, two small men. And exactly what everybody's going to do. Ricochet going to do a little bit of flipping. We're going to get Chad Gable being Olympian. And we're going to get some big Bronson energy. And he's just a big boy doing big boy things. Uh, some of the nice spots. There was an early German attempt by Gable. And he couldn't get him up. Um, they were on the outside at one point, And Gable did a nice full Nelson suplex onto Ricochet. Basically making him splash onto Reed on the outside, which was nasty. They were trying to double team Big Bronson and trying to hit him with the Irish rip, Irish whip, and they couldn't do it. And he ended up throwing both them fools out the ring at the same time. Nasty. Um, once they were back in the ring, he did put them both in the corner for a double stinger splash to stack them both on his back for a double Samoan drop. Nasty. Was really good. Uh, there was a beautiful little segment here when Gable was trying to do a razor's edge for some reason. He threw him up, but Ricochet countered it into a Hurricanrana, hit a springboard crossbody into a standing shooting star press for a two count. Uh, Reed does get back in. He gets super kicked by Ricochet, and this causes him to fall back into Chad Gable where he finally hits the big German just dropping this big man um, Rico hits him with the over the top flip dive we get an ankle lock he gets out of the ankle lock and just Ricochet just murders Gable with this knee oh my god it was so good Ricochet tried to go up top and Gable almost hit this man with the top rope German. He does, you know, flip out of it, being the flippy boy that he is. But it looks like he tore his ACL, MCL, PCL on the landing. Ends up eating the Chaos Theory German in the corner. He's got the bridge, Gable. He's got the pin. He's about to win it. Reed gets in there. He ends up picking up Ricochet, throwing this man onto Chad Gable hitting the senton onto both of these men to go up top for the tsunami onto Ricochet for the one, two, three. So match content wise, this wasn't a bad match. Um, but storyline purposes, I fucking hated it. Like why, why you got to treat Chad Gable this way? It bothers me. Um, 
you you try to set up this situation where you try to tell a story about him being able to suplex Bronson Reed and you have him do it in a fucking triple threat match where like there's no like he tried once earlier in the match yeah but like there was no real like build up to it it it, it he had to be softened by a super kick from Ricochet essentially um again performances were good but I, Dude, they're they're not handling Gable very well, and it it really bothers me. Um, I don't I don't think he should have had to have gone through this to get his next IC shot. If Shinsuke can have like nineteen goddamn chances against Seth, why is fucking Chad Gable got to go through all this bullshit to have a rematch? Like I don't I don't get it. Um, it's just stupid to me. Again, not a bad match, but just the whole premise of it and the storylines around it was just stupid. Is Bronson Reed Gunther going to be fun? Probably. Is Bronson Reed going to beat Gunther? Probably not. Uh, I just don't, I don't understand what they're trying to do here, man. Yeah, we know none of these people. I mean, maybe Gable's going to win the belt, but, you know, it's, it's not his time. And I think they're trying to keep him again in that little upper echelon position they don't want him to fall too low you know he didn't take the pinfall he did show out a little bit in this match yeah they could have hyped up the big suplex more but we got to see it and we haven't seen the big chaos theory yet though which i think we'll eventually see um i think we'll eventually see a rematch between gable and reed because gable never got his actual win over him reed was talking shit so he just got to show this man what's up so we'll see yeah i they have a lot of work to do to have me kind of reposition myself on the situation um we end up backstage with jackie interviewing becky about her upcoming match with tegan she shamelessly uh plugs her book um the the really the only thing to note here is we got uh Zia Lee interrupting randomly. It was one of these like I had to think about who she was for a second. Um, <laughs> she, she wants a shot at Becky. Becky, uh, you know, tells her that she ain't hard to find. But how'd you feel about this? Yeah, I'm sorry. Um. I, I don't know the last time we've seen this girl. I don't know the last time she's done anything relevant. I'm sure Becky was just as confused as we were. This was more of a Becky plug for her book than it was for Zia Lee. And she's going to come out here talking about, what about me? What about you? That's what, that's all I could think. Yeah, I I we'll get to the Becky um, Tegan mat, uh, match later and like, the segment that we had after it. But what I've kind of been thinking lately, especially it, it really like came to me during the Tegan Becky match, but like they should just take a bunch of these random girls that they have just kind of floundering, doing not a whole lot and make another fucking women's faction. We've got one women's faction. It's on SmackDown. It's also not that great because it's basically just two women in a random tag along. Um, like, these girls are doing nothing. You're giving them shit matches. You're giving them, like, random, I'm just going to pop up and say two words to Becky and then go back into nothingness. Like, they should just take a bunch of these random women and make, like, two more women's factions. It would spice up the tag picture. Um, 
and it would give them something to do. And sometimes being part of a group and faction brings you down, like in, in the instance of what I feel like they're doing with Tez right now. But at the same time, when you're not like a standout and when you haven't had a extended run at anything, it can build you up. So I feel like it would help a lot of these girls out and it would at least give us something to fucking watch when it comes to them, you know? Yeah, that could give us some more drama in the division or they need to give us like like a women's intercontinental belt. You know what I'm saying? Like a, a mid-card women's belt that can bounce between shows. That could be fun. I guess they kind of do that with the NXT belt, but I feel like we should try to, I don't know, I feel like it's one thing to keep the bell down there. It's nice that they bring it up and give some publicity to it, but I feel like it does take away opportunities for a lot of that roster to shine. Yeah, I thought about the second women's belt thing, a mid-card belt type of thing as well. Um, I would be down for that. I I think that would be good for the company, especially with how how much more sufficient the women's division is now and it's also very tiered you know you've you've got the god tier of Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair, Asuka, Bianca Belair and then you've got everybody else you know and and a lot of these girls you know to be completely honest with you at the point that she's at in her career I don't see Becky beating any of those girls you know so like you said they're kind of treating the NXT belt that way um but I don't, I don't think it would be a bad idea to have a tertiary belt for the women. And we finally get into like probably the match with some of the most fun moments in the entire show. Drew McIntyre versus JD McDonough. Dude, this was David and Goliath to the max. It could have been an absolute squash match. They didn't handle it like an absolute squash match. And uh, they they gave it a little bit more time and room to breathe than I thought they were going to. Yeah, this was so much fun. And yeah, they gave more to JD than you'd expect from a basic match. But JD played his role in, you know, the smaller, cowardly man. But he was still able to show some nice offense. Like when this match starts off, he just smacks the shit out of Drew McIntyre. And very quickly, you know, and I just, you know, think of like, somebody trying to get into a gang that is obviously not a gang member. And he's like, Oh, I got to show him I'm hard. And then quickly realizes the mistake that he's made. And I think that's the exact situation that JD was in right here. Um, but I'd like to note dirty Dom came out to support him. Another time that we're seeing JD and Dom associated with each other. I don't know if there's something going on there, but I feel like, it's always those two together when it used to be Finn and JD to start. So I, I don't know what's going on there. And another note commentary, I believe it was Wade Barrett. He randomly was talking about Rhea Ripley. And I, I guess she was referring to telling JD to do what he's got to do to prove himself. And he basically, he, I think he said something along the lines of if Rhea asked me to walk over glass, I would. <laughs> I think we all would. He's he was on. I think he had some some more lines later in the show, but he was on one here. But yeah, no, JD was laying in some good chops at first, you know, and Drew was just staring at him like you dumb motherfucker, and was just going into it. We get the classic little Drew setup, the double overhead belly to belly throws into the neck breaker with the kip up. 
Um, we get a small distraction from Dom as he's getting hype in the corner where JD eats or gets him with a nice chop block, hits another chop block and starts to just go in on this guy's leg. And we get to see a small little bit of viciousness from JD McDonough and something that like, wait, like, have we ever seen him really wrestle on the main roster? Like, I, I feel like we never see the guy except for he sneaks in, he helps him cheat, and then he gets fucking beat down. And now we actually get to see him beating somebody else down in a match. And I feel like that's a rarity at this point. Um, but he's just going in on this guy. At one point, he puts his leg up on the bottom rope and just drops double knees down onto it. Beautiful. But he's just going in for it. Eventually, um, Drew gets the momentum, hits the future shock, and he hits the countdown kick. He actually does the countdown and he actually hits the kick and he wins with that and that's not occurred in any previous week it's been a thing where he misses it when he counts down and then he has to hit it out of nowhere to win but not this week so i don't know if maybe i was just reading too much into that but that's done yeah there have been a couple moments in this raw where i was wondering like are they going to walk back the heel turn? Like, are they teasing the heel turn only for Drew to be like, I can't do this. This isn't me type of thing. Um, but the the spot of the night was Drew McIntyre using a back body drop to send JD McDonough into orbit. That dude needed a fucking oxygen tank to breathe where he was at. He was a corpse in the air. Oh my God, that was probably the greatest back body drop I've ever seen in my life. I very rarely do I like audibly make noises while watching the show. But when that happened, I was like, oh my God, that was, that was an asshole puckering moment for that kid. Yes, yes, and I know you're very excited about the move. I wanted to let you jump on that one first, but he sent this guy so high. Like it was absolutely ridiculous. And if this guy didn't just like just like stop in midair and let his body gently rotate, like he he could have hit the uh ricochet double moonsault up there if he wanted to. He could have flipped twice in the air and landed back on his feet if he really wanted to. He was like I'm just glad this guy didn't get hurt because you land sideways, you land on the leg, on an arm, like that shit's gone. Elton Prince out the window. You know what I'm saying? Dude, I kind of like hope they make this a thing with Drew whenever he wrestles somebody smaller than him. You know, like, uh, dude, give me Drew McIntyre, Akira Tozawa. Don't do, don't do Tozawa like that. No. <laughs> Dude, he 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 will be the first person to colonize Mars. Oh man, and then, yeah, like, and that's that's how you set up uh, Tozawa. He's still dead from getting beat up by Drew McIntyre, and then the women come in the ring for their four way, and they're like, "Why is he still here?" And for some reason, they ring the bell, and then they all just murder him again. Yes, yes. Um, one thing that I was really disappointed in the crowd about is in the beginning when JD slapped Drew and Drew just stared him down, I was like, yo, where's the you fucked up chance? Because if if there was ever a moment, it was that moment. 
that was it right there. And he instantly, he knew. Yeah, so come on, Omaha. Give me the you fucked up chance next time. Um, we end up backstage with Wade Barry interviewing DIY. Uh, Champa is saying that this has been seven years in the making, and the fans have made us undeniable. Gargano is adding on that it's time to see how far they can take this thing. It is finally their moment to get beaten down by the Imperium, who interrupt, come in, lay both men out, take them out, and then just leave. Yeah, my my stupid-ass uh, playback was like acting weird, and I come back right into you know DIY after this commercial break, and I was like, oh, snap, DIY, awesome. And then they're just kind of chit-chatting. I didn't really even catch what the hell they said until they just got their ass beat by Imperium out of nowhere. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess we're getting a tag team match coming up soon. Yeah, it was basically it was was uh, building on Gargano's return last week and, and confirming that they are indeed DIY again. And it's their time and their moment. It's undeniable, blah, 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 whatever. We end up in a Tegan Knox vignette. Goes over her knee injury history, how she's been through it all, and now she's here to win. She's getting interviewed by Jackie backstage afterwards, and Tegan is telling her that this isn't just a championship match anymore. This is to show everyone who Tegan Knox is. When her biggest cheerleader shows up, we got Natty in the picture. She's saying weird shit that she supports her and she's rooting for her and it still feels fake and phony. Man, when is when is Natty going to end up backstabbing her? I don't know because later on we see her kind of setting up. So like is Natty going to try to befriend her and be like a tag team partner? I feel like we, we all think that this is like a heel turn. But what if it's just like Natty's just just so natty and she's actually trying to be nice this whole time it could be what i'm kind of hoping it is is what i was saying earlier so like i i had the women's faction thing in my head and then we have this and i'm like you know natty would make a good leader of the faction where she's not really like wrestling a whole lot maybe this is my way to like get her screen time without having her have to wrestle but like there's other girls that show up later on after the match. You know, we, we've got uh, a couple more popping in. We we got Miss Lee showing her face. Um, make Natty the, the leader of this women's faction that doesn't exist but should exist. Uh, maybe. We'd have to see some, some type of change from Natalia. She's got to, like, drop the pink or something, like, because... Uh, if you put two women with Natalia, you might just kill those two women for me personally. So I don't know. And I don't think she'll ever drop the pain because that's that's for Bret Hart, really. Um, so I don't think that's ever going away. I don't think it should go away. I have no problem with the pink. Um, maybe just more with her disposition. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Um, we've got the announcement by Adam Pierce that is saying that we do indeed have Ricochet Shinsuke next week in a Falls Count Anywhere. And then we end up in the Tegan Knox-Becky Lynch match for the NXT Women's Championship. Yeah, and 
This match did start off, in my opinion, kind of slow. It was just a lot of pins and counter-wrestling between the two, which was a nice showcase for both of them, showing that they can wrestle. So this was our wrestling match of the night. And they did, in my opinion, they made Tegan kind of look like a star, you know? Like, I don't know. In this match, I felt she was more entertaining than Becky was to me. Of course, it's Becky, and she does come across as the bigger star, and the crowd's reacting more to what she's doing. But I felt the impact of the moves when they were hit, the intensity in which they were performed. I feel like Tegan kind of had the edge throughout this match. Um, but again, it started off slow. Things started to pick up. You know, they brawled on the outside. They got back in the ring. It all ended up fighting over a disarmor. At one point, um, Tegan just catches her in a regular arm bar, one that Becky had attempted earlier the night. And Michael Cole's like, he's got she's got her in the disarmor. She's got her in her own finisher. And I'm like, that's that's not that's not the disarmor. Um, but you know, it's all right. Either way, um, Becky eventually taps her out with the proper disarmor. Um, one part randomly during the match, a piece of Becky's hair came out that she like gave to the ref and he threw it out of the ring. And then, you know, after they respect each other and there's the handshake and dap up after the match, Becky's walking up the ramp and she's like, I need better hair. Yeah. And she's also like, buy my book. <laughs> Another shameless book plug. Um, I, I did like, you know, whoever did Becky's extensions needs to do a little bit better job at getting him in there. Um, but she kind of like stopped and waved him in Knox's face real quick before she tossed him out. I agree. Like, I, I enjoyed Tegan Knox in this match. Um, you know, she, she had tactics. She went for the injured arm of Becky. Uh, was this the first tap out from the disarm her? that we've seen since she started using it again? Yeah, because we haven't even seen the move, let alone her tap somebody out with it in a long time. Yeah, because I, I feel like she didn't start to bring it back until she was fighting Tiff, I want to say. Um, so it was nice to see her actually get the tap out from it. Again, I'm a sucker for submissions, so give me more of it. Like, let, let's make this Let's make this her preferred finisher at this point um i we can only hope uh we end up backstage briefly with candace loray and indy hartwell asking adam pierce how johnny gargano and tomasa champa are but rhea ripley interrupts and tells them to get the fuck out uh she tells pierce that she needs to make an example and wants her and baszler next week make it happen so, yeah, that's what we're getting next week. It'll be a fun match, man. Yeah, I'm excited to see these two go at it because I think it's going to be it's going to be nasty. I think they're going to beat the shit out of each other. The the only thing that I hope is like we have an actual match, not like 30 seconds in Nia Jax comes out and sits on somebody. Yeah, cuz Nia has been beefing. That honestly, that's probably exactly what's going to happen because I think we're somehow going to get to like a big four. Like maybe we, that's what we get at a crown jewel. Maybe they call all, all the women over there for a big four way or something. I don't know. Yeah. Just make it a, well, we'll see. I, yeah, I guess the four way would make sense. I, 
I prefer triple threats over four ways. I think they're just a little easier to handle. But I guess you do have to include Baszler in this. Um, and you have to include Raquel and obviously Naya and Rhea. I'd, it, my only thing is like it would feel unfair for the belt to be on the line at that point because then you can get Raquel fucking pinning Shayna and that's just not fair to Rhea. Not that I actually think that they would do that, but for it to be a possibility... Being the planner that she is, I don't think Rhea would be okay with that. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. But we know that Raquel didn't, quote-unquote, lose clean, so she's got to get her rematch. We know Jax wa- wants everything, so we know she's got to get in there. And we know, I mean, Shayna just wants to fight, so it could end up being a three-way if somehow, like, if, if Rhea just beats her on Raw and, you know, she might be out of it and we could end up, you know, in some type of three-way picture, but it's, at the minimum, it's going to be a three-way. And even, you know, Zoe Stark's been kind of MIA. I doubt she's going to go against Baszler, but, I mean, you know, she wants some of that action too somewhere. Yep, there's going to be a squashing. Um, we are backstage with Tegan Knox, and we've got Natty praising her, telling her, you know, oh, she did great, and blah, 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 and... Knox doesn't want any part of it. She's still pissed about losing. And then we get a Katana chance and Caden Carter showing up, mirroring Natty's sentiments. Um, but we had to get a fucking nameplate below them to remind us all who the fuck they are because they brought these girls up, gave them like one or two matches, and then they just disappeared into fucking nothingness. Uh, and then we get Chelsea and Piper showing up to mock the quote-unquote pity party. Natty stands up to them being the saucy veteran that she is, and tells them that they'd have to deal with her. Uh, And Piper obliges. So next week, we're getting Natty Piper. Yay? Oh, man. Yeah, like, you know, Natty's doing her Natty thing, and that's exactly what I wrote in my notes in all caps to Katana Chance and Caden Carter. Where have you been? And they're literally backstage with Chelsea and Piper, who literally, like, didn't they take the titles off them? Did they ever get a rematch? Like, y'all just, like, went, like, y'all just gone. Like, what the hell? And, like, all of a sudden, there's 17 women in, in the women's tag division now when, like, last week there were zero. Because my guess is we see Tegan and Natty somehow probably become a team. Um, I think, pro- like, there's no way Piper ever loses, but I think somehow she's going to end up losing next week, probably because Chelsea's going to get involved. And there was a cute little part here where, you know, Chelsea's talking that shit and Natty steps up and Chelsea's kind of like, uh, uh, until Piper, you know, steps in to help her out, which was, you know, nice to see. But there's still that weird relationship they got going on. Yeah, it's not it's not even a relationship that I tend to care about. And then we've also still got uh, Isla Dawn and Alba Fire on the horizon. So hopefully this is reviving the women's tag division. But uh, at this point, if they just all disappear into nothingness tomorrow, I wouldn't be shocked either because that's what creative has been doing. Um we get a quick little segment, Jay backstage getting ready. We've got Drew coming in, Sammy coming in. Honestly, nothing special. But what we do have that's special is a fun little Kaiser vignette about how he's the definition of European 
elegance, and an A-plus specimen. His only real competition is Picasso, Michelangelo, and the Mona Lisa. <laughs> this this was pretty fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, what the hell is this? Like, my only guess is that this is building up the Kaiser singles run when he eventually, you know, breaks up from Imperium because I feel like that's all dissolving sometime soon as well probably when like i think when gunther loses the belt like we're probably going to see some dissension before then vinci he might get kicked out gunther's going to lose the belt and he's going to go away for a while and kaiser's going to float about as a singles man for a little bit i think yeah i guess so um i mean he's he'll still be chasing maxine probably and then he'll have to deal with I mean, we're going to get more Gable, Kaiser, and Otis, Kaiser, probably. But um, I don't know how much Kaiser stands out as an individual. Uh, I think being in a tag team suits him. I just think that he needs a better tag partner. So I, I don't know what you would do with him from there. But I do agree that they are like conditioning us all to to be more open to him on his own, whether, you know, maybe, maybe Gunther drops the belt and does a face turn somehow. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that goes, but, um, Kaiser is probably around to stay. And then we get to our main event. We've got the undisputed tag titles on the line tonight. We got Jay Uso, and Cody Rhodes, American Yeet, One Yeet, Yeet Yeet, versus KO and Sami Zayn. Um, I just got to say, I was disappointed again in Omaha. Like, it was very mediocre singing of Cody's song on the entrance. Yeah, we got a nice whoa, but not a lot of song singing. It's been, like, rare. Only a couple cities hit that, you know? So it's been it's been a real hit or miss on that it seems but as we as we cut back from the commercial it looks as if they were showing this video to everybody inside the building and you can see kevin owens like sitting on the top rope behind Sami Zayn, watching the video as it ends and you could see his mouth he's talking to Sami Zayn. he said what the hell is that <laughs> and i love those small little notes because you know he can't stand that guy he still has beef with imperium you know what i'm saying so I love those small little notes, but this was obviously match of the night. This was fucking fun. This was great. It starts off a little slow, but there was a lot of a little bit of respect at first. Let me not say a lot. Let me say a little bit because, you know, they, they start off aggressive. They're getting into it. But when they're in the you know corner trying to get a clean break, you know, they uh, they don't take those cheap shots. They're letting them go. Not until. You know, Kevin gets in there. Kevin hits a face wash on, I believe, Sami Zayn. And there is no, <laughs> there is no, uh, I'm not Sami Zayn, on Jey Uso. And there is no clean break at that time. And they just start going in on each other. They just start brawling. They roll to the outside. They're brawl brawling. They're rolling into the announce table, into the apron. Uh, Kevin Owens and Jey Uso. And then Cody and Sammy get into it, and now all four men are brawling in front of the announce table. Randomly, Kevin runs in to break the count, 
And then they all brawling again. And they're just they're just going at it until um you know they, they end up getting back in the ring, they calm down for a second, and then they just start brawling again. They they flip over the announce table and then we get a commercial break before we come back and things are, you know, <laughs> back to normal. They they had a lot of frustration that they had to let out at first and they're like, All right, all right, let's let's take it back. All right, let's take it back and we'll get back into it. But Man, if we're like, and we, we've been talking a lot about chops, you know, throughout the nights and big chops and things like that. But this, this match and like the last, you know, three quarters of it pretty much where it's like the super kick story, like Jay and Kevin were just kicking the fuck out of each other back and forth and back and forth. And Jay would hit a little bit more than Kevin would hit him with a clothesline. And it was nice. Uh, there was one time Cody and Sammy were in the ring where we had Cody going for the crossroads. It gets countered into a blue thunder, but Cody's able to counter that into another crossroads, which gets countered again, finally into the blue thunder bomb, which was fucking beautiful. Um, Sammy hits the exploder, tries to set him up for the haluva kick, and Cody just catches him mid sprint into the... <laughs> Into the Cody Cutter, or not the, into the uh, crossroads, just mid sprint, which was fucking brutal as well. Um, another uh, great time was Cody actually hit a super kick alongside Jay. Not something have we ever seen Cody hit a super kick since he's returned to WWE? I feel like that's like the first time, you know, we see the disaster kick, but I feel like that's the first time. We saw him uh, actually hit that move. We do have, you know, Cody hits a crossroads and Kevin Owens breaks it up. We have um, Kevin Owens hitting, you know, the big stunner. Cody breaks it up. So both teams, you know, one for one, breaking everything up. But basically to end it, you know, everybody... um, Owens gets back up top. Jay's laying down in the ring. He tries to go for the swanton dive and he gets the knees up. Jay drops the super kick on Kevin, drops the super kick on Sammy. Cody gets in the ring, hits the Cody or hits the crossroads on Sammy Zayn. He's done. They drop that double super kick and then they hit the the Cody. The 1D, I don't know exactly what they're going to be named. The Cody 1D, something that Michael Cole kind of kept repeating. At one point, Michael Cole yelled the Cody, and I nailed it. I'm pretty sure that that should be the name, but we'll see what they actually call it. But there was some nice respect after the match. And finally, we got that acknowledgement and respect between Kevin Owens and Jay Uso, where Kevin gave him a hug. Yeah, it was nice to see KO and Jay hug it out. Um, honestly, like my favorite moments in this match were the trading super kick spots, which happened like two or three times. Um, they were super, super fun. And yeah, dude, it was really weird to see Cody pop off super kicks. I, I don't even know if I've ever seen him do one period. Yeah. Like I'm trying to like think back to his time in AEW and even before then as Stardust, you know, and I don't, you know, maybe maybe like in his ring of honor new japan days when he was on the indie scene in the bullet club like maybe then but i i didn't i couldn't pull every match from my memory to even recall 
Yeah, it was. But I would not be shocked if, you know, teaming with Jay, we get more of him now. And yeah, very first thing Cole called it was the code D. And I was like, yo, my boy Henron has copyright on that. Like, you're going to have to be paying some rights, man. And then, yeah, he kept calling it the code D1D, um, which to me is just too much and too long. I, I think, you know, just go with the code D. I still like the uh, the one yeet, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. The, yes, this was match of the night. It was a very enjoyable match. I was actually kind of surprised that we got to this match as quickly as we did as far as like build up to it. We knew it would happen eventually, but I didn't ha- expect it to happen like now, like already. Yeah, like these guys have been gone for a while. We assumed that they probably would want their title shots. You know, they'd want that return. But yeah, and and I didn't expect it to just happen tonight either. Like it, it just felt like oh, they're just they're just doing it. Okay. Yeah. Overall, it made for a p- pretty big raw. Um, next week is going to be a pretty big raw as well. Um, it's going to be the season premiere of Raw. And we've got five matches that we already know about. We've got the undisputed tag titles on the line again for a rematch of Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso versus Finn Balor and Damian Priest of the Judgment Day. We've got the Intercontinental Championship on the line. Gunther versus Big Bronson Reed. We have got Ricochet versus Shinsuke Nakamura in a Falls Count Anywhere match. We've got Rhea Ripley versus Shayna Baszler. And last but not least, uh, actually last but indeed least, Piper Niven versus Natalya. Yeah, like next week is stacked. Not as stacked as the upcoming SmackDown episode, but next week is it's going to be I, like every match next week. I'm pretty much excited to see. And I, I can't think of a Raw where I'm like, even even the Natalia match, like I, I'm a I'm a Piper Niven fan, and I'm interested to see. We'll probably it's going to be a short, you know, three minute match. Likely we might see some interference or some nonsense. We're probably going to see Chelsea Green somehow get involved and cause Piper Niven to lose the match. But I don't know. It could be fun. Yeah, um, I I do think it'll be very nice for. Uh, a TV show indeed and I mean they've been averaging about six matches per Raw so we've still got room for one more to be added on night of Um, we'll see what that ends up being but again overall very fun Raw and WWE's been kind of hot lately on the TV shows so let's keep it going take us home my dog yes sir yes sir it has been one fun night and we will thank you once again for allowing us to make your lives just a tad bit less miserable we will catch you next time on a action-packed episode of smackdown but until then stay safe and enjoy the day deuces deuces Peace. Peace.